Over three years ago, a Van Gogh painting was stolen from a Dutch museum. The thief was convicted and jailed for eight years in 2021, but the painting had changed hands by then. And earlier this month, Amsterdam-based art historian and detective Arthur Brandt was handed the painting, Spring Garden, worth millions, in a pillowcase and an Ikea bag. It's not the first time Mr Brand has recovered stolen artwork. He's Europe's most famous private art detective, the Indiana Jones of the art world, some call him. He says, no, no, he's Inspector Clouseau, but he has found art worth more than £300 million. Raider of the lost art, as some wit said. He's with me now. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Look, it's a pleasure. Tell me the story. How did you get handed the stolen painting? Well, as you said, the thief uh, was convicted. Um, the police tracked him down and he got eight years, but not only, only eight years in prison, but also a fine of 8.4 million euros. Oh. And um, they also took all the middlemen out, the police, and the buyer. The buyer turned out to be a, a drug lord who was already in jail for drugs-related cases. And he had bought this painting to try to bargain it for a lesser sentence. He said, uh, look, if I give this painting back, um, if you reduce my sentence, we can make a deal. But the Dutch state... Oh, but hang on. The, so the guy in prison on cocaine charges, wanted the painting stolen so that he could say, I'll get it back for you if you give me less time. Yeah, that has happened in the past. Has it? Um, yeah, not, so, not only in the Netherlands, but also in Italy. One of the, the biggest uh, capo di tutti capi of Italy, one of the heads of the mafia, indeed made a deal also with two stolen Van Goghs uh, to get a lesser sentence. So it worked in the past. But in the Netherlands, we have uh, figured out that if you agree to these deals, uh, people will go tomorrow to a museum to steal something when they have to sell a score. So... Um, here they decided we don't do this anymore. So this man could not bargain with this painting. So everybody was in jail and the painting was still gone. We knew that it would go from, from one criminal group to another group. They used it as a partial payment. But because of the high um, punishments that were given to the people involved, nobody really wanted to touch it anymore because... If you touched it, uh, you could go to prison and you could get a fine of six or eight million. So it wasn't worth anything anymore. So our hope was that someday somebody would step forward and say, look, here it is. Good luck with it. And let the police leave us alone because the police kept on searching for it. They did house raids and stuff like that. So and then finally, this message came uh, three weeks ago. And the message said? Well, it was on WhatsApp. The message said, uh, Mr. Brandt, are you uh, bound to confidentiality? So I responded, uh, responded, no, I'm not a priest. But if I give my word, I keep it. 
So I kept on working on my computer because I get these messages on a regular basis. And then it pinged again and I looked and then I saw that he was talking about this Van Gogh Spring Garden that was stolen uh, three years before. And then, of course, I sat up straight, you know, in my chair and I thought, well, here we go. So I asked him for a proof of life. A proof of life is a picture of the painting front and back with a, a newspaper from that same day. So they could prove that they indeed had the painting in their possession. And this proof of life came. And then the game started, of course. I'm just wondering whether that proof of life, which is traditional, you know, the newspaper of the day alongside the individual or thing that you claim to still have, with AI, that can be mocked up really easily. Yes, but um, in this um, particular case, I cannot reveal anything, what, what they sent me, but I was 100% sure that they indeed had the painting in their possession. And especially because... You can uh, fake the front of a painting. Um, the front of a painting is published everywhere, but the backside of a painting is known to nobody, only to the owner, because on the backside of a painting there are um, things written um, that it went to this exhibition or to that exhibition. So it has all these, these little notes on it on the backside, and a normal person doesn't know these notes. Only the owner and the thief. So um, he showed me these pictures, so I knew this is the real, the real deal. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then so you, I started to you talk yeah, to the police. The yes, because you know it's it's a dangerous game. Um, I'm a civilian. Um, I have to obey the law, and uh, in, in my 50 years of career, I have never stepped any any step without consulting or cooperating or in coordination or with permission from the police. You have to do that because maybe the police is doing their own investigation and you don't want to uh, walk through that. So uh, I called them and I said, look, we now have the chance to get this painting back after three and a half years. And we already knew that this person who, who um, sent me these messages had nothing to do with the theft or the aftermath because all these people were in jail. So we decided, let's go ahead. But and how were you so sure that this person had nothing to do with the theft? Yeah, we were sure because the police had tracked down the thief, the middleman and the buyer, because they cracked um, in, in the Netherlands and in France uh, two years ago. There was a huge police operation. They cracked the phones of thousands and thousands of criminals in Europe. And they didn't tell it right away. They kept on looking into these secret messages that they were sending each other. And in the end, they caught hundreds of criminals. And in this massive amount of, of messages, they also found some messages talking about the Van Gogh. And th those people were all uh, arrested, it was, the, the thief, the middleman, and the buyer. And this person, because of that, we could establish he had nothing to do with any of that. So he was really, well, probably he has a criminal background, but um, he was not guilty of this particular act. Of so do you know baby. how he came into possession of it? Well, um, in my job, you have to ask as little as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, but you in know, my job, it's the reverse. 
I know, I know, and that's you know that's the problem <laughs> I'm always in. You know, a journalist or a police officer has to ask questions, but in my situation, the less I ask, the better it is. I, I don't even ask them their name, you know, if it's not necessary. I'm not asking them well, how did you get it or where has it been, because the first uh, the question they will ask is, "Are you police?" You know, you you sound like police. So I didn't care. Um, what had happened with the painting i just wanted to hand it, have it in my hand so i kept on comforting him and telling him look whatever you have done in the past is not of my business if you bring back the painting you do something good so then we started to to talk about it and i, I tried to to gain his confidence and he had three reasons to do this first he said look this painting is of no use for nobody anymore because they had seen that if you get caught with this painting, or even if they knew that you had it in your possession, you would get fined, you would go to prison, there was no reward for the painting, so it was a burden. That was the first reason. The second reason was that they had seen, you know, Van Gogh is Dutch. Um, if you see the Van Gogh in the Netherlands, it's quite a thing. Uh, it made the headlines to the New York Times, you know, so it was worldwide in the news so they started to realize that this might not have been the best idea because you get the whole dutch police force after you so um, that was the second reason and he had a third reason which i cannot reveal uh, that was something personal so at that moment i had to gain his confidence because he was still afraid of being arrested and i explained to him you are not going to be arrested because if you are going to arrest people who do something good, who bring something back, nobody ever will step forward. So in the end, he said, okay, we have a deal. Where should I deliver the painting? And I said, well, what about my home? And he said, are you nuts? Your home? And I said, yeah, well, where do you want to meet? You know, uh, it's a complete legal uh, thing we are going to do. Um, I think my home is better than a dark wood, you know, a forest. So he smiled and he said, okay, Monday at one o'clock, I will be at your door with the Van Gogh. So all these days, of course, I was sweating, um, waiting for him to come. And were the police watching? Well, the police was informed, of course, but the police uh, decided not to interfere because, you know, if you interfere, he might even show up without a painting, but as said, if you interfere and you make this person um, troubles, um, nobody will ever step forward. The police, for example, in the Netherlands, but maybe also in, in New Zealand, sometimes ask people in television, they say, look, 20 years ago, a murder happened. If you know something, please step forward, even anonymously. That's how police crack a lot of cases. So... People who do the right thing, who step forward, um, you should leave them alone. And that's no my reward. To... There was no reward no. for this. There was no reward for this painting and for another painting because the thief had stolen also Franz Hall's painting in the Netherlands a couple of months later. So for both paintings, there was no reward. Is the house but... still missing? Yeah, it's still missing. And it was the third time it had been stolen. So <laughs> um, we got all depressed, you know. Yeah. Uh, to steal a painting for three times but anyway so uh, the police was in the neighborhood they were waiting for me to call them and then my doorbell rang and i run downstairs and i looked through the glass of my door and i saw this guy with a smile and i started to smile too so i opened the door 
and there he was with an IKEA te- uh, uh, bag, blue. So I thought, I said, are you kidding me? And I said, no, no, I'm not kidding you. It's right in this IKEA bag. And it was, I also saw a pillow full of blood. And I said, what, what's that pillow? And he said, well, I cut myself uh, retrieving this painting. So I hugged him and I said, thank you so much. You and hugged him? Went, yeah, I hugged him. You know, it's, it's, I've been working on this three and a half years. It's, it's a Van Gogh. You know, when the moment that this comes out in the news, uh, you will end up on Radio New Zealand. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a very important moment. Uh, not only the Dutch people were waiting for this moment, but a lot of Van Gogh lovers all around the world. So, you know, it's a, and apart from that, there was was a lot of tension. I was afraid that he wouldn't show up, and he was afraid that he would come to my home and uh, he would get a gun in his in his neck. You know, from the police. How did you so, confirm that it was in fact the Van Gogh? Well, at the same moment that the police was waiting at the corner, the museum director from whom it was stolen, the owner, was also waiting on the corner. So I first called him and he came running. I think he ran for his life, you know. And he came, he entered my home and he looked at the Van Gogh and then he looked at me with a big smile and he said, it's the real deal. I bet he hugged. Yeah, and then we hugged, and uh, then I called the police, um, who had been working on this case for three and a half years. Oh, I bet they hugged. Sorry? I bet they hugged. Yeah, and... Lots of hugging going on. Yeah, you know, it's it's such a tension, you know. These people have been searching for it for three and a half years, day after day. And then when you find a Van Gogh bag, it's, it's, you know, it's... It was one of the best moments of my life, and I'm sure for, for these people too, you know. Um, the museum director, this Van Gogh is from a museum. In the Netherlands, you have a lot of Van Goghs, of course, but this museum had only one, and this one was stolen. So you can imagine the joy of other people who were involved. I think it had been on loan to another museum. Yeah, um, it was on loan to another museum, and there it was stolen. So that museum f- felt guilty, and mortified. they, of course, also were... Yeah, they were also very, very happy that it uh, it returned. Another of your very famous cases was Hitler's Horses, about which you wrote a book. Um, how did yes. you find that these were s- slightly harder to hide, I imagine, these huge bronze stallions? Yeah, <laughs> three metres high. Yeah, those were um, Hitler's favourite statues around the Reichschancellery, the headquarters of, of Hitler and his Nazi party. They had like 10 or 15 huge um, statues. And the two most important were two bronze horses who were right beneath his office. And everybody thought them to be destroyed during the battle for Berlin, when the Russians came and and destroyed Berlin. So everybody thought them to be destroyed until a couple of years ago, it's now eight years ago, I got some pictures in color. And to see these two horses in color with two persons next to it with um, clothing from, let's say, uh, 10 years ago, those pictures could not originate from World War II, you know. Those would be in black and white and at least people with clothes from that era. So with that picture, I started to believe that the horses might have survived the war. And in that case, I worked with the German police and bit by bit, we, we got on the trail of these horses. And we found out that the horses 
had survived the war, but were confiscated by the Russians. And the Russians had hidden them on one of their barracks, uh, army barracks, because Stalin loved Hitler's art too. You know, they were both dictators. And Nazi art and communism, communistic art, is not that diff different. So uh, the Russians had kept it a secret. And when the, the Berlin Wall fell, they sold it to some old Nazis in the West, and they were hitting it in a basement. But at this moment, they were trying to sell them. And together with the German police, we managed to track them down. We had encounters with old Nazis, with new Nazis, with old spies from the from the KGB, um, from the Stasi. The Stasi was the secret service of East Germany. So it was one of the best adventures of our life. And um, yeah, that's my, my biggest case. Yeah. Uh, till today very exciting why do when people steal these things i mean you mentioned you know for use in negotiating a lower sentence for someone but in general they must steal them for financial gains so who do they think is going to buy is there some mad extremely rich art collector somewhere that they're hoping to sell it to well, that's an interesting story. This more or less started in uh, 1962, the first James Bond movie, Dr. No, about a villain, a very bad villain who wants to destroy the world. Um, James Bond is after him. And in the same time that this movie was written, a very important painting, a Goya, was stolen from uh, the National Gallery. And the writers of Dr. No thought it would be a good idea to pretend that uh, Dr. No had bought this item. So... When James Bond enters the home of um, Dr. No, he sees that painting and he says, ah, here it is. So a lot of these petty thieves who normally would break into your car or in your home, they watch that and they think, oh, my God, if we steal a painting worth 10, 20 million, we only have to find a Dr. No, you know, okay. and um, we can retire. But the funny thing is that the doesn't exist, Dr. Knows, because if you have money, where would you buy a stolen painting? You want to show off to your friends showing a painting, and you, you cannot show them a stolen painting. You and cannot... neither can you use it as tax avoidance, which a lot of, um, no. you know, you can't yeah. stuff it. You can't no. stuff it usefully in some warehouse in Zurich. No, exactly. What happens a lot with, with uh, legally bought art, well, legally, more or less legally. But so Dr. No doesn't exist. But the funny thing is the police knows that these guys who, do, who have stolen these kind of paintings are looking for Dr. No. So what, what you see often is that the police is going undercover, um, Pretending to be a Dr. No, they put up a big hat, a Rolex, a big cigar, and they pretend to be a Dr. No. And a lot of thieves fall for that trap, you know. So I always say to, to thieves, if you see Dr. No, it's the police. And when has an artwork benefited the thieves? Do you know? I suppose you wouldn't know because then the artwork is never found and the thieves are never arrested. Uh, you mean when they it benefited them? Yeah. Well, in some cases, uh, well, as we, we, we talked before, in some cases they did get a lesser sentence um, in some uh, cases. So, yeah, um, I don't really mean that. I mean, has 
Can you think of an example? I don't want to advertise this, obviously, but <laughs> here we go. Can you think of an example where a thief has stolen uh, a very valuable artwork and has got away with it and has lived happily ever after in the south of France or whatever? No, but there have been cases that some art thieves have uh, gained money because they they just sold it to another criminal and they might have made a few hundred thousand, um, uh, you know, euros. But that's like, that a pyramid, that's like a pyramid game, right? It is. It because is. at that, the end you're left with something useless. Exactly. The, the thief um, probably sold the Van Gogh for um, between 150 and 200,000 euros. So he got some money. But in the end, he got caught, he got eight years, and he got fined for 8 million. So I think there are not many winners in art theft. And that's what I always tell these people. Also, I have my own television series in the Netherlands, and I always say, don't steal art because you will get a lot of trouble. You will end up in jail, and you will end up the rest of your life paying this fine but you know they don't listen to me they are stubborn they watch dr no again and they think oh we will find this rich man who is sitting in his basement with a big cigar enjoying all these stolen paintings do you think so, um, do you think that um many stolen artworks are destroyed because the person who ends up with the useless item why would they bother to go to all the trouble of handing it in? You said yep. your man with the Van Gogh had three reasons. Some people just want to ditch it. They might burn it. They might destroy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Huh? Absolutely. But I always tell them, too, that I say, look, if you have this painting, which they always deny, of course, if you have it and you burn it and the police later can prove it, you get three or four or five years in jail, too because of, of um, destroying cultural heritage. Right, so you don't get so, any amnesty in that case. No, but in the other hand, um, it does happen. Uh, there was a big robbery in the Netherlands in 2012. Some Romanian guys had stolen these paintings from, uh, from a museum in Rotterdam. And they were caught by the police. And in the meantime, their mother knew where the paintings were and she thought i met i better uh, burn the evidence so she went to a graveyard there they were hidden she dug them up in the middle of the night can you imagine it's like a, a movie scene <laughs> and she dug them up and uh, she says she threw them in the stove but i have my suspicions that only half ended up in the stove and the others not so i'm also still looking for those paintings but it does happen that they destroy paintings and and other stuff what would you most like to find well there are a lot of of things you know the the biggest art theft in history happened in 1990 in the isabella stewart gardner museum in in boston um to Intruders dressed as police officers entered and they stole artwork 500 million US dollars, a Vermeer to Rembrandt's, and it's the biggest art theft in history. And there was a reward of 10 million on it, and they still don't come back. So um, there is a, a series on Netflix now, it's called uh, This is a Robbery. It's about uh, that robbery. And Almost every half a year, there are new leads coming in and there is another press release. But that's one of the, the biggest mysteries in my field. Do you get immensely rich? Uh, I myself? Yes, you yourself. 
No, I wish, but uh, no. Um, I drive a second-hand uh, uh, bicycle through Amsterdam. Um, I earn my money with my books, with giving keynotes and with advising uh, collectors what to buy and what not to buy. There are a lot of fakes, for example, on the art market. We assume that it's about 30%, which is fake. So I advise art collectors what to buy, what not to buy. Has it been stolen? Is the price right? Stuff like that. But um, in this game, in hunting down stolen art, you know, in 90%, there is no reward. Um, so it's more or less a hobby than um, than a real job. Very good to talk to you. Thank you. Arthur Brandt who is an art detective. He's just reunited Van Gogh painting. Not considered to be one of his best from his early period, but Van Gogh nonetheless reunited it with its museum owner.